All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. Grant, thank you so much for that story. Um, that really it puts that whole song in a different light when you realize that the dad was the motivation for her thinking along those lines. And, uh, and really, in Scripture you find that as fathers, we are to be a picture of the Heavenly Father. And we're supposed to show our kids what God is like. Uh, and not just through teaching and not just by what we say, but what we do and how we respond and how we react. Obviously, um, that, uh, that lady uh, got the right picture from her father and, uh, and therefore wrote that song. That was a blessing. That was really good. All right, let's all stand together. Hopefully you're at Ephesians 6 by now. And if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you as we look at Ephesians chapter 6 in just one verse. And then we're actually we'll read 2 and 3 together. And let's read them together out loud in unison. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3 says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you are our Father this morning, and that we can ask your blessings upon this message and upon your word as it goes forth. We ask God that you would, you would be a special blessing and a special help uh, this morning to fathers. Uh, not, not often do, do I preach messages that uh, are pinpointed at one particular group of people. But uh, this morning, Lord, the message is going particularly to dads. Now, I believe all of us can get something from, from the book, regardless of who, who it's been being specifically preached to. But God, I pray particularly that our fathers would get a blessing and would be encouraged and would be challenged this morning. God, have your will, have your way in our hearts. And as you speak to our hearts this morning, May we respond with a hearty yes to you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, uh, verse 2 starts out and says, Honor thy father and thy mother. And then there's a promise. It says that it, uh, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and uh, thou mayest live long on the earth. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really the only of the Ten Commandments that has that kind of a promise attached to it. And uh, the, the command is to honor. Honor means to revere. It means to respect. It means to treat with deference and treat with, with an attitude uh, of submission. Um, the, the, the thing is, as parents, and particularly as fathers, and it says honor the father and mother, but today is Father's Day. And dads, I, I hope you have the kind of attitude that you have a desire in your heart that uh, you could make that job of, uh, and that, that commandment that is given to your children to honor you to be an easy one. Honestly, there's some fathers out there that are easy to honor, and there's some fathers out there that are very, very difficult to honor. Uh, it, it, they still need to be honored regardless. But uh, I'd, I'd like to be a, a dad that would be easy to be honored. And so what we're going to do this, this morning is to, to look at some New Testament attributes of good fathers. 
And the very first one I want you to look with me at is over in Luke chapter 15. Go with me there. Third, third uh, gospel of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke in your New Testament. Luke chapter 15. And in Luke 15, we find the, the, the story of a pro, the prodigal son. You know, we, we often call it that. It's the story of the prodigal son. But honestly, it's the story of a good, gracious, loving, forgiving father. And uh, uh, this, this story, I, I don't believe, is a parable. And the reason why I don't believe it is, is because of the way that it starts out. It starts out in verse... Uh, Verse uh, uh, 12, or excuse me, verse 11, it says, And he said, a certain man had two sons. Whenever Jesus said it, it says a certain man, he's talking about a particular person. And so this is a, an account, I believe, that actually really did happen. Two sons, uh, and, and uh, he had two sons. One of his sons, the, uh, the youngest son, came to him and said, uh, Dad, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to go out. I want my inheritance. I want it now. And uh, so his dad gave it to him. And he went out and he participated in riotous living, uh, ended, up, ended up spending all that he had, and uh, ended up in a, in a hog pen, uh, eating, the, eating the hogs food, eating pig food. And uh, we pick up at that point in the story in, in verse 17. And in verse 17 it says, And when he came to himself, and boy, that's so important, in order for somebody to make a change in direction, they got to come to themselves. they gotta, they got to realize it. You can, you can force people to do things, but it's not really from the heart and it won't stick. But with this guy, I believe it's stuck because it says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have uh, bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Oh, now, one of the things that you get from this dad right from beginning to end is that this dad was a loving father, but he was also a just father. Uh, and, and that's, that's really a, a, such a wonderful picture of our Savior and our, the, and, and, our, and our God, who is a loving father on one hand, but he's also a just father. And you can't separate the two. I, I know people that like to, like to spend a lot of time on the just and forget the love. They like to spend, others want to spend a lot of time on love and forget the, the just part. You've got to have them both together, and this man really exemplified both of those characteristics. But one of the first things I want you to look at is, is that a good father, according to this prodigal son's father, is one who is firm, but he's also loving and kind and forgiving. Uh, he had a reputation that, that, uh, that opened, I believe, the heart of his son. The Bible says that his son came to himself. Why did he come to himself? Because he knew who his father was. He knew what kind of a man his father was. He knew that if he went with the right attitude, that his, his father would, would, uh, would receive him with open arms. And uh, uh, he just knew that because of how his father had treated him in the past. Uh, and I believe that what... what 
actually triggered this whole thing for him coming to himself is that he was reminded of the goodness of his father. He's, he's, looking, he's looking back to the life he lived then, and he says, listen, my, my father's servants are living better than I am. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm living with pigs. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 eating, I'm eating a hog slop, and I, I have observed over the years, and my father treats his servants a whole lot better than that. Uh, what that is, is, is that's, that's really a kind of a fulfillment of Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, which says, The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to be, and I trust that you guys would want to be the kind of father that uh, when, when, when your kids look at you, they realize that, yeah, you're firm and, yeah, you're tough at times, and, uh, but you're also forgiving and you're also kind and you also love them. And uh, that goodness will lead them to repentance. Uh, in, in Psalm 52, and I'm, I'm sure I've read this verse over and over and over again, but I never really connected it with Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Psalm 52 verse 1 says, The goodness of God endureth continually. And when, when you have a, a good and a kind spirit and yet a just spirit with your kids, it can make a real difference. Now, along with all this, uh, and, and in light of the fact that the, the, the father was firm but kind and forgiving, was that he was approachable. Uh, this wouldn't have even come into the prodigal's mind had he not known that he could go back, that he had not known that he could see his father, and that his father would open the door and not slam it in his face. He knew his father was approachable. Um, now, true, the father didn't chase after him, but that was, that was on purpose because the, the son had to come to himself, which he eventually did. Uh, he, he knew that repentance of the, of the, uh, would, would open the door. The son knew that repentance would open the door for him to be able to return to his father. He couldn't just come back to his dad. He had to come back with the right, right attitude, the right spirit, but he knew if he did that, that his father would forgive him. Let me ask something, Dad. Uh, is that the kind of spirit that you convey to your kids? I mean, are you firm and are you, are you just on one hand, but are you also kind and forgiving and quick to forgive and not quick to rub the child's face in it over and over and over again afterwards? There's no indication that any of that happened. Uh, when the, when the, the son came back, came back with a repentant spirit, and, and came back with a repentant spirit because he knew the attitude of the father. And he knew that his father would, would open the door and receive him in if he had the right spirit and had the right attitude. From, from making a wrong decision, which he made by leaving the place in the first place and asking for his, his uh, inheritance early, to finally making a right decision and repenting and going back and seeing the dad, the, the communication channels between father and son were wide open. One of the things I think is absolutely important with, with fathers and their children, whether it be father and son or father and daughter, uh, you need to have the channels of communication open. Uh, that is your job. That is your responsibility. And I know there's times when it's real tough. And at different stages of their lives, it's difficult. 
but don't quit. Don't give up. Continue to work in the child's heart. You think about this. How does God work with you? You know, I've had, I've had oftentimes, uh, times when I have not been right with God and I've been contrary and I've had a bad attitude and a bad spirit about some, some things, and then all of a sudden, a verse comes into my mind or a thought about God comes into my mind. Where did that come from? Well, that came from God. And that came from God because he wasn't giving up on me. He wasn't quitting on me. One of, the, one of the, my favorite parts about this whole story is that the Bible says that when, when the prodigal began to return home, it says that his father saw him from afar off. Now listen, folks, you don't see somebody from afar off unless you're looking for him. And he was looking for him. He wanted him to come home. He had a desire for him to come home. Why was that? Because the, the, the communication, even though he was separated from him and obviously couldn't communicate with him, he had those communication channels wide open. And that is so, so important for fathers to have that communication channel open to their kids. Talk to your children. Spend time with your children. Study your kids. I mean, study them and know them. There isn't anybody that ought to know your children, Dad, better than you. And, and don't, don't give me this, well, no, that's the mother's job. Well, no, 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 no. It's your job, too. It's your job, too. And it's important for you to keep those communication lines open. And one of the ways you do it is by getting to know your kids. Then, then the, the second thing about a good father, we see that a good father is firm, but kind and forgiving. But look down in verse 32. Verse 32, he's talking to the brother. The brother's in a snit, okay? Uh, this kid comes home. He's wasted his inheritance, and uh, dad throws a party for him. Well, dad's throwing a party for him because he's thankful that he's back and returned safely. He was afraid for the child, for the, for the son. He's not a child, uh, but he's afraid for the son's life. And uh, he was just glad to have him back because he loved him. And in verse 32, he's, he's explaining to, by the fact, we'll go to verse 31, but uh, he was explaining to the older brother why he did what he did. And he says this, and he said unto him, son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Now, again, the, the, the older, the, the older uh, brother came up and said, well, why are you throwing a party for him? You've never thrown a party for me. And his answer was, well, that's because all that I have is yours. You know, now you're the sole heir because I've already given him his, his inheritance. So anything that gets gained from this point forward, it's not his, it's yours. And so, so you've, you're going you're gonna to benefit from all that's going on right now. But, uh, but uh, uh, a good father, a good father is proper and a good father is just. But a good father is not always fair and always equitable. We use that word fair all the time. You know, you, you, hear, you hear that in society today in America 
constantly. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. One of the reasons why things aren't fair is because you're different. And it's just that simple. Uh, different needs mean different attentions at different times. And if, if you spend your life as a father trying to be fair and equitable with each of your kids, lots of luck. Now, you shouldn't play favorites. I understand that. I, I, I know that thoroughly. But can I, can I tell you something? Different kids need different things at different times and different intensities of attention. And you need to pick that up. You need to know those things. And uh, uh, your, your, their needs were different. The, 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 the older son was obedient. And so he didn't need some of the things that the, that the younger son needed. Um, the truth is both, both of them were, were out of whack. The, the, the younger son didn't have the right attitude until he repented and returned home. The older son still didn't have the right attitude because, because of, the, of the ungrateful spirit that he had. The prodigal son had overt sins. They, he had the sins that you could see outwardly. It was obvious. The, the elder son, however, had inward sins that weren't so obvious. But you know what? That father picked up on both of them. He picked up on the, on the, the prodigal that came back because he could see his repentant spirit. And he picked up on the older brother because he saw the attitudes that he had and he knew that those attitudes were damaging and knew that they were wrong. It's important for us to, to pick up on those things from our children as dads. Dads, we need to know our kids. We need to know our kids. And uh, you need to know your children. That takes time. That takes work. You say, well, how do I do that? Trial and error. <laughs> That's exactly how you do it. You just, but it takes, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort. You need to know your children's likes and dislikes. You need to know your kids' weaknesses and strengths individually. They're not the same. You know, uh, you know I've, I've told this story before, but uh, you know, I found out when, I, when we got our fifth child that girls are different than boys. Wow, what a, a revelation, huh? You know, just like the scientists back in the 80s when they, a Time magazine said, scientists have determined that men and women are different. No kidding. Uh, you know, I think we figured that out long before you printed the article. But, but the, case, the case is just simply this, is that they are different. And I found, I found that out. You know, I used to, used to just you know, hammer on the boys and just tell them off. And, and uh, I'd say, go to your room or do this or do that. And they do it. I look at my daughter, and, and she'd just stand there and shiver and shake. And, uh, and I was, I, I, the, the first time that happened, I was starting to get mad and starting to get upset. My wife just simply looked at me and said, hugger. I thought, hugger? I'd like to whack her is what I liked it. <laughs> and I says, what? And she says, hugger. Okay, come here. Put my arms around her and she went, <laughs> you know, like trying to start a car and it won't get started, you know. <laughs> <sighs> so you ready to go back to your seat? Yes, sir. Okay, go. Uh, it worked. 
I found out that, uh, you know, they got different needs and they got, you know, you got to treat them different. I had to learn that. Dad, you have to learn that. You need to know your children. A good father knows his kids. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4 and verse 2. Actually, let's read verses 1 and 2 because it puts it in context. Now, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the fathers. A good father determines two things in the child's life, determines learning and determines liberty. Don't leave that up for other people to decide. That is your responsibility, Dad, to decide the liberty and to decide the learning of a child. Um, when it comes to learning, uh, you, you, you don't necessarily do all the teaching, but you do guide and direct the learning process. And you should decide where your children learn what they need. Uh, you know, uh, you need to, to choose the school or, or homeschool or uh, the jobs that they uh, have a part in the jobs that they, that they take. You uh, should have a part in, in uh, and you should direct what church you take them to. Uh, those things are absolutely vital and important. You need to make those, those decisions. Uh, in the, particularly lately, and, and I've had this conviction for a long time, but if, if I had small children today, there's no way in the world as a father that I would send my kids to a public school. I just wouldn't do it. And if you've been paying attention to the news lately, uh, public education has not, is not education anymore. It's indoctrination is what it's become. And it's, it's, it's not indoctrin indoctrination with the right doctrine, okay? Uh, it's, it's teaching things that are contrary to the word of God and contrary to the nature of God. And uh, is not something that, that I would be involved in. But as a dad, you have that responsibility. Um, then when it comes to liberty, uh, it says, until the time appointed of the fathers... I get a big kick out of these, these kids, and I had this attitude when I was a kid. Well, when I'm 18, I'll, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> you know, we'll see if you will, whatever, at 18. I don't find 18 years old as being the time of liberty of a child uh, anywhere in the Bible. But you know what I do find? I find the time appointed of the Father. Time appointed of the Father. Um, liberty should be determined not by an age, but by character, by spiritual strength, by maturity, and by wisdom. And it might, it might be different liberties in different areas at different times, depending upon the growth of the child. But again, that's, that's your decision. And, and one of the things that dads need to be training their kids to do is how to make decisions. You know, um, Jesus, when he, was, when he was praying for his disciples in uh, John chapter 17, 
he said, he, he said specifically that he didn't want the Father to take the disciples out of the world, but keep them in the world, but keep them from the evil. Well, what he spent time doing for three and a half years was teaching them how to live in the world and be kept from the evil. Uh, one of the jobs that we have as dads is to, to teach our children how to respond to evil and how to respond to the things that are out in that world. Um, what, what I see too much of in a lot of Christian homes is this stuff. We're, we're, we're just we're not going to let them get out. We're not going to let them. We're, you, know, you know what it is? Some of it is you don't want to see them get hurt. I understand that. Uh, you, you certainly don't want them to, to uh, get tempted above that which they are able. You don't want that. But uh, what I also see is I don't want my kids to fail. That's the wrong attitude. I want my kids to fail. Now I want them to succeed, obviously, even today. But you know what? I look at, I got, I've got three sons in the ministry, and you know what? They're making mistakes. Now they're doing some things right, but they're doing some things wrong. They'll probably, because of their age, they'll probably do a lot more wrong things than they'll do right things for a while. You know, and the younger one will do the most wrong and the older one will probably do a little less because they had a little bit more experience. But, but I want them to go through those experiences. I want them to do that. And the only way they can is if you give them an opportunity. And then that doesn't start when they're 25, 30 years old. That starts when they're young. You know, where, where do you start that off with? Well, you take them to an ice cream parlor and you say, okay, you can have this, this, or this. Make a choice. And let them choose. Let them start to make those decisions. Start giving them liberties that they can handle at the time that they can handle them. Another, another uh, aspect of a good father. Go with me to, to Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3. Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3. Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3. In Ephesians 6, look down at verse 4. Ephesians 6, 4. It says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then you go over to Colossians chapter 3, and it's kind of a, a companion passage. It says in verse 21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. A good father doesn't provoke his children to anger or wrath. Um, how, does that, how does that work? Well, it starts with provoking. And the provoking turns to anger. And then the anger eventually becomes discouragement. And that's not equipping a child for, for life. That's handicapping a child for life. And, uh, and fathers need to be careful. We can provoke. Um, I have to be careful. I'm sarcastic. I have to, by nature, I have to, uh, you know, I, I was brought up in a home where I was, I was taught how to give it and taught how to receive it, okay? And, uh, and, all, and, and got it on a, on a continual basis. I think that's good as long as it's done with the right spirit and with the right attitude. And there's times when you need to realize, whoa, this is not the time for that. This is the time to be a blessing, not to, not to, to be a little bit of a goad and end up 
sticking uh, someone uh, in the side when they're hurting. So uh, fathers need to be careful. Uh, we need to be careful about provoking our children. And there's ways that we do that. Some ways are obvious, other ways are not so obvious. What I just gave you was a little bit more obvious things by words that we say. But we can provoke our children through hypocrisy. When we say one thing and we do another, and we're inconsistent uh, in, our, in, our, in our lives and in what we say and what we really do. Um, we, we can provoke our children by never apologizing when we do wrong. It's good, you know, I, I've actually heard some, I've heard some preachers say, and I've heard some, some dads say, don't ever apologize to your church. Don't ever apologize to your, to your, your children. Uh, what? Huh? Uh, no, there's times when you need to apologize to your kids. There's times when you need to, to let them know that you have done something wrong. Uh, there's times when we lie. We give, them, we give them promises, and then we go back on those promises. That provokes our children to wrath. Uh, when we're unjust, unjust, uh, and, uh, and, and we, don't, we don't handle things evenly across the board as far as attitudes and so forth. Uh, then uh, playing favorites. Uh, playing favorites can provoke a child. And I, I know it's, it's difficult. You say, man, that's hard to do. You just got done telling me, preacher, that, uh, that you, uh, you, you know, your kids are different, so you have to treat them different. Now you're telling me to treat them the same. No, I'm just saying don't play favorites. Just meet their needs where they're at. And you say, that's hard to do. Tell me about it. I got five of them. <laughs> okay, tell me about it. And, and some of you have many children. Some of you only have two. If all you have is two, you got to be careful with it, uh, because because you got to you got to watch. Uh, but but you don't want to provoke your children to wrath. Improper discipline, either lack of or over the top, uh, not addressing problems, just sweeping things under the rug. Well, time will take care of that. Now, time doesn't heal all wounds; it often festers wounds and causes them to get infected and then walking after the flesh and not after the spirit is a dad uh you know you know what our kids need to see our kids need to see spirit filled fathers fathers that they're walking after the spirit of god um then then uh it, it says over in the book of uh, ephesians that we ought to bring them up in the in the, in the uh, nurture and admonition of the Lord. A good father will nurture and admonish their children. Um, it says, bring them up. You know what you can't do? You can't bring them up to a place that you haven't been yourself. And so if you're expecting your kids to go a certain direction, you better make sure you're going in that direction yourself and that, that uh, you can bring them along. To nurture means to feed, to teach, and to lead. And we ought to do that spiritually. We ought to do that emotionally, intellectually, physically. Uh, it's important to meet the needs of, of our children and to be sensitive to what they are. And again, that's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to know what they are. That's nurture. And uh, 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 we ought to, to plan to fulfill those needs. Uh, over in, we won't turn there, but over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verses 5 through 7, God's telling Israel, says, listen, you need to teach your children to love me, and you need to teach them my ways, and you need to do so and teach them the commandments when they're standing up, 
when they're sitting down, when they're lying down, and when they're walking by the way. In other words, all day long. It's not something you just do at family devotions, although I highly recommend have family devotions. Have a time where you sit down with your family and go over the Word of God with them. And you might not do it every single day. I'm not going to get on you if you don't. We didn't do it every single day. But we did it anywhere from three to five times a week, and we did it on a regular basis. Why? Because that was my responsibility as a dad. And that's your responsibility as a dad, to bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. And then admonition. Admonition is reproof and instruction. It's both. It's not just, not just reproving them, but it's also instructing them and showing them what to do right. And both of these things are necessary. Nurture and admonition have to go hand in hand. And if you got both of them going on at the same time, you've got a balanced, balanced plan of, of, uh, of uh, uh, parenting your children. Then take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Look down in verse 22 with me. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 22. Philippians 2.22 says, But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. And uh, he's, uh, he's talking here about, about Timothy and how that Timothy was like a son to him and that he, he served the Lord with him. And what that, what that shows us is, is that a good, good father will we'll have their children serve God with them. Uh, find ways that you and your kids can do things together for the Lord. Get the family involved in ministering. Uh, minister to God and then minister to others. But do it together as a family. Um, you know, one of the, one of the joys that, I, that I've had over the years is serving God with my family. And, and doing things with them and them doing things with me in order to serve the Lord. And um, uh, honestly, I, I have observed over the years, um, there's, a, there's a lot of, of families that are in the ministry, pastors that are in the ministry, whose, whose kids did not turn out right. Now, let me just say this to you, okay? It's only by the grace of God that my kids turned out the way they did, and that doesn't mean they're not without fault, not without problems. But as far as I know right now, uh, today, and I will say that today, uh, all five kids are serving God and, and trying to do right. That's a good thing. Can I tell you one of the reasons why sometimes that doesn't happen, and it's not always the case, because I've, I've seen where this has been fulfilled and the kids just decided, I, I, don't, I don't want that. But uh, you, you serve the Lord with them, and they'll see that the ministry is a good thing. And, uh, and they, they'll, they'll want to participate in those things. I get excited when I see on Tuesday nights, and I've seen it twice now. On Tuesday nights, I see whole families coming to, to hang things on doors. Woo! That's neat. What a blessing. Uh, you know, you, you've got, listen, I don't, if they're four or five years old, they can do that. You know, they can run up to a door and hang it. They might hang it upside down. They might hang it inside out. Who knows? But they'll at least hang it, okay? And that's, that's a good thing. And, and they see dad doing it. They see mom doing it. And they see their brothers doing it. And you're doing it together. And, uh, and, and that, that is a blessing. 
Uh, there's, there's ways that you can be creative. I know families that have decided to look for needs in, in the congregation, look for needs in, in the community, and say, oh, no, listen, how can, we, how, can we, how can we meet these needs? And sometimes they do it anonymously. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard of families taking a gift to, a, to the door of someone who needs something in particular, and they, they put it on the doorstep, and then they ring the doorbell, and then they run away, okay? I used to ring the doorbell and run away but when I was a kid, but it wasn't for, with that kind of a motive in mind, okay? Uh, I get excited when I see people doing it for the right motive and the right thing, and they're doing it together as a family. So a, a good father will look for ways to, to serve God with his children. And then the last thing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, look down at verse 11. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. A good father will exhort, comfort, and charge their kids. And again, these are things, that they, this does, doesn't happen by happenstance. It doesn't, it doesn't just, just occur. You have to do it on purpose. You have to do it on purpose. Exhort. What does it mean to exhort? It means to incite by words or advice. It means to encourage. Uh, say, you know, when you see your kid doing something right, let them know that. Uh, and encourage them and, and try, try to say things that will, will cause them to want to continue to, to do right. Be complimentary where, where it fits and, and uh, where it's necessary. And then on the other hand, Exhorting can also be warning, and it can be advising. Uh, so, so, again, have that communication line wide open with your kids so that you can exhort them. Then, second thing is to comfort them. You know, as soon as I saw that comfort, I, I immediately thought of the verse, weep that them that weep. When they're hurting, you ought to be hurting. And, and conversely, when they're rejoicing, you ought to be rejoicing as long as they're rejoicing over the right thing, okay? They may be rejoicing over the wrong thing because they just took Johnny and stuffed his head in the toilet or something. That's not something to rejoice about. But uh, if, uh, if, if, it's something, if it's something good, you rejoice with them uh, about the thing that they're rejoicing, but you weep with them and, and you, you comfort them. Uh, you point them to scriptures. You point them to the Spirit of God. You work with them through the difficulty so that so that they can be stronger on the other side, and and you know what you know what a lot of it is just be there for them, just be there for them, and uh, uh, be there to comfort. Now again, dads are not known for comfort. I, I understand that. Uh, we have to work at that. Uh, Johnny skins his his uh, his knee. Who's the first one he goes to? It's usually not dad, because dad will look at him and say, Ah, oh, that's no big deal. Toughen up. And mom will say, oh, come here, sweetie, we got to take care of that. And mommy will kiss it and all that. Daddy ain't going to kiss it, okay? I just tell you right now, daddy ain't going to kiss it. But, uh, but, but that, you know, uh, we have to work at that, but it's important for us to be a comforter. Aren't you glad you got a heavenly father that comforts you? Well, your kids need one. 
Your kids need an earthly father that comforts them. And then the last thing is to, to charge. Charge just simply means to direct, to instruct, to challenge them. In other words, give them goals. Give them things to shoot for and, and help them to attain those goals. Good fathers, according to the New Testament, some things that good fathers do. Good fathers are firm, but they're also kind and forgiving. That balance is so important. Uh, good fathers are proper, but they're also just. Good fathers determine the learning and the liberty of, of the child. You, you decide uh, where they get their information, and then you decide what the boundaries are. And there needs to be boundaries. There is, there is protection in boundaries and fences. And then a, a good father uh, doesn't provoke doesn't provoke. A good father nurtures and admonishes. A good father serves God with them and enjoys doing it. And last of all, exhorts, comforts, and charges. Let me just encourage you this morning. And, and again, this message is primarily for dads. If God's speaking to your heart about something and you're not a father, uh, but God's speaking to your heart about it, you need to respond to it. But let me just encourage you in the invitation this morning. To, to look at this. Uh, if, if there's an area where you find that you're weak in some of the things that we just spoke about, why don't you bring it to God this morning and tell God, say, look, Lord, I'm weak in this area. Please help me to do better and to be a better dad so that I can honor and glorify you through my children. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon the things that we've heard this morning. And I am so thankful this morning for the fact that I can speak to my Heavenly Father. Uh, this is Father's Day, and, and today we are honoring earthly fathers. But my dad has since passed away, and I know there's a, a bunch of people here this morning whose dads have, have passed on. And uh, Lord, uh, all we have left is you. And that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a good thing because you say that you're a father to the fatherless. And uh, Lord, there isn't any better father than you. And just as you have taken good care of us, those of us that have the privilege of being dads, help us to have a desire in our heart to be a better father for our children, not just so our kids can look good and make us look good, but Lord, so that uh, you can get the honor and you can get the glory through our family. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. Uh, Lord, uh, this morning in the invitation, just deal with hearts. There might be someone here, and I know Father's Day, I haven't really spent a lot of time on salvation. I really haven't spent any time on it. There might be someone here that does not know for sure if they die, they go to heaven. Get a hold of their heart this morning and help them to see that the greatest need that they have is to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Please have your will and have your way in this invitation this morning, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.